A quick thank you for all your supportive team effort. New episodes are on the way and we'll release an early concept of one of the ideas Cage Fighters is considering for the Nicolas Cage script. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about when I mention Cage Fighters or the Nicolas Cage script, check out Team Effort episode 57, Helping Nicolas Cage Live a Better Life. It's an ambitious idea and it is happening. Team Effort is part of the Bad Producer Podcast Network and before there is a new episode of Team Effort, I want to tell you about another podcast on the BPP Network. It's called The Bad Read. It's about screenplays, movies, and the first iteration of an idea. Andy and Luke are two screenwriters based in Melbourne who love exploring where the origin stories of iconic films come from. The Bad Read is where they pick over the first drafts of screenplays that went on to become some of the biggest films. I'm talking blockbusters. Andy and Luke grab a few of their friends and do a cold read of the first draft. Season 1 features The Star Wars. Season 2, The Batman. This is a sample of what those reads sounded like. I'm really proud of what Andy and Luke have put together here, and I really hope that you'll check it out. You can find all the Bad Read episodes wherever you listen to podcasts or on Twitter at Bad Read Podcast. Let me know what you think. You can hit me up at bad underscore producer on Twitter or jbillmuller on Instagram. More team effort is on the way. Now, Andy Lane, Luke Mouncey, and the Bad Read. Luke Mousy. Andy Lane. Do you know why we're here, Luke? To tell people about the bad read. To tell people about the bad read. Good. How fun. Go on then. Well, tell people about the bad read. Yeah, well, it's a uh, podcast about movies, isn't it? Is it though? Well, yeah. I mean, we perform movie scripts. Perform? Yeah, it's, it's a loose term. We read scripts aloud. Yeah, and we give a little pre- and post-read analysis. And they're not just any old scripts. Definitely not. We read early drafts of scripts. Scripts for big films. The biggest. And we read them badly. Hence the name. We're screenwriters, not actors. And neither are the people we've recruited to help. They certainly are not. But we do our best. Some better than others. What's that supposed to mean? Nothing. Look, should we just play some for the people? Oh my God, I thought you'd never ask. So what are we going to play? We start at the beginning. Which beginning? Beginning of the first season or the beginning of the second season? The beginning of the beginning. So Star Wars. The Star Wars, thank you very much. Written by George Lucas, May 1974. Fade in space. A sea of stars is broken by the vast blue surface of the planet Utapau. Five small <laughs> moons slowly drift into view from the far side of the planet. The main titles are followed by a roll-up. Until the recent Great Rebellion, the Jedi Bendu were the most feared warriors in the universe. Now these legendary warriors are all but extinct. One by one they have been hunted down and destroyed as enemies of the New Empire by a ferocious and sinister rival warrior sect, the Knights of Sith. A small silver spacecraft emerges from behind one of the Utapau moons. The deadly little fighter craft speeds past several of the moons until it finally goes into orbit around the fourth moon. <laughs> it's very specific. A harsh gale blows across the bleak gray surface of the fourth moon. The leaden sky presses down on a lone figure, Anakin Starkiller, a tall, heavy-set boy of 18. He slowly makes his way across the canyon floor. The heavy winds whip at him and make the going extremely difficult. He's already getting bullied. Yeah. His face is covered by a breath mask and goggles. He stops for a second to adjust the shoulder strap of his chrome multiple laser rifle. Something in the sky catches his eye, and he instinctively grabs a pair of electro binoculars from his belt. 
He stands transfixed for a few moments, studying the heavens, then turns and rushes back in the direction from which he came. Supply hut, fourth moon, Utapau. A spacecraft, half buried in the dust, rests next to the remains of an abandoned supply shack. Anakin makes his way across the colorless landscape and rushes into the crumbling building. The interior of the hut is shabby, but manages to abate the howling winds. Seated in front of a thermometer, thermoheater, sorry. <laughs> Take two. Seated in front of a thermoheater are Anakin's father, Kane, and his young brother, Deke. Kane is a large, burly man, wearing the distinctive robes of a Jedi. Deke is 10 years old, with dusty blonde hair and a large scratch on his cheek. Anakin slams the door and removes his gear. His ruggedly handsome face is caked with many layers of dust. Dad, Dad, they found us. Deke looks up from a small cube he has been studying. His father whacks him across the shoulder with a braided wire connector. Continue with the problem. Your concentration is worse than your brother's. How many? Only one this time, a bantha four. Good. We might not have to repair this old bucket after all. Prepare yourself. Me too. Do you have the answer? <laughs> I think it's the Corbett dictum. What is, is without? Kane smiles. <laughs> this is the correct answer. Is he a kid at New Zealander? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he has to be. Yeah, fair enough. Anakin but just him. Yeah. 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 He was raised He'd in New been Zealand. In summer school. We didn't meet mother. Yeah. 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 We sent you to boarding school. Yeah. <laughs> One of the other moons. <laughs> moon seven. Moon seven, Kiwi moon. Seven, moon. Yeah, the Kiwi moon. <laughs> Anakin is strapping on a utility belt with chrome laser pistols and laser sword. So basically, laser sword. sword. Add yes. electro or laser or thermo to any the beginning of anything. Yeah, it's, and if it's just a laser, add multiple. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. But it all, all as one word. Yeah. yeah. Kane rises and starts for his equipment. Ah, pop. <laughs> Deke, do you feel you're ready? Yes, sir. I've outmarked Anakin in 12 disciplines. I'm as good as... All right, son. Get your gear. Deke jumps up with the enthusiasm available only to a 10-year-old and grabs his gear. Wasteland Bluff, Fourth Moon, Utapahu. Kane Starkiller and his two sons carefully make their way up a rock bluff, overlooking the parked Silver Sith spacecraft. No tracks. Bylock hasn't been opened. Interior systems are still on. He's not in there. He's baiting us. I'm surprised they only sent one this time. Stay on guard and keep hidden. I'm going to work my way across the ridge and call his bluff. Better we meet in open combat than wait for him to ambush us. Kane leaves his two sons and moves off along the obscured ridge. He should have let me go with him. He's getting too old to make an open challenge. He's not too old to realise. You just get in his way. Anakin ignores his little brother's remark and sneaks a look over the ridge at the Sith spacecraft. Deke reluctantly moves away and watches the other direction. Kane has almost reached the Sith spacecraft, and still there is no sign of its occupant. What's happening? <laughs> Nothing. I don't like it. Kane carefully moves to the main hatch of the starship. Deke takes the electrobinoculars from his brother and studies the silent spacecraft. I think we, the pairs just went off. We'd better wait here until someone comes out. The power just went back on again. With the aid of the electrobinoculars, Deke watches the running lights of the starship flash on and off. Suddenly, something huge moves in front of his field of view. Before either of the two young boys can react, a large, sinister Sith warrior in black robes and a face mask looms over them. He carries a long laser sword, which cuts young Deke down before he or his brother are able to raise their weapons. The startled Anakin backs away in horror. 
then settles down and ignites his laser sword, which creates an eerie red glow. The evil warrior swings his mighty laser sword, but Anakin manages to deflect the intended death blow. And the two warriors stand, sizing up each other. The Black Knight is at least seven feet tall and dwarfs the young Jedi. (laughs) They stand for a few moments, almost frozen. Then, in a flurry of blows, laser swords clash with the sound of electric snapping and popping. The Black Knight suddenly senses something behind him and whirls around to face Anakin's father, Kane Starkiller, a Jedi Bendu master. Hero. The Sith warrior raises his laser sword, but is cut in two before he can bring it down again. Hmm. Kane sees his dead son, Deke, and goes to him. He lifts him into his arms and begins to weep. Anakin stands bewildered, watching his father cradle his dead brother. Jesus, Christ. Well, it's just getting to like it. Yeah. Yeah. Interior Sith Starship, Wasteland Canyon, Utapau. Anakin climbs into the seat beside his father and removes his breath mask and goggles. There are tears in his eyes. Father and son look out across the wasteland towards Deke's grave. The thunderous clamp of an explosion is followed by a small mushroom cloud rising out of the depression. Anakin throws a container down in a fit of rage. <laughs> blew up his son. Anakin sits silently for a few moments. Son, plot a course for Aquile. Anakin lights up like a bantha at feeding time. <laughs> Easily distracted. Aquile, you mean we're going home? We both need a rest. Kane pulls back on the throttle and the powerful spaceship lifts off the surface of the fourth moon of Utapau. So they did. They just blew up. Yep. Yep. Good. Traditional Jedi cool. burial, I assume. <laughs> to blow them up. I reckon it's just for kids. <laughs> <laughs> Jedi kids or just all kids? Just kids. You blow them up. They're yeah. dead. Blow them up. Get rid of them. Cloud Sea, Alderaan. The magnificent domed and gleaming city is perched mushroom-like on a tall spire, which disappears deep into the misty surface of the planet. Four sleek star destroyers from the Imperial Third Fleet burst from one of the huge cumulus range. The crafts are flying in a tight formation as they bank steeply and head toward the Imperial capital of the galaxy. Star destroyers are two-man spacecraft crammed with sophisticated electronic weaponry. The pilot and gunnery officers sit side by side. They wear the gleaming black uniforms of the Empire. Talk one to chicks, shape it up. Let's make it good. Does that glare bother you? Use your face shield, chick one. The pilot gives the gunner a quick look before he flips his sun shield over his eyes. Here we go. Count. Three, two, one. Now. On a huge, austere platform stands the dark, caused to shit. (laughs) 100% best name in Star Wars. Uh, Uh, Yeah, he is. Lord of Alderaan. Counsel to the Supreme Tribunal and ruler of the Galactic Empire. Because he's the shit. Yeah. He is a thin, grey-looking man with an evil moustache which hangs limply over his insipid lip. (laughs) 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 Standing at rigid attention on his right are several generals dressed in the black and grey uniforms of the realm. They all gaze skyward as the four gleaming Star Destroyers scream low overhead in an impressive barrel roll formation. Governor Hodak's quarters, Alderaan. The large, white-on-white executive quarters resound with the high-pitched laugh of the evil Governor Hodak. Evil. He slaps Darth Vader, a tall, grim-looking general, on the back, and the general's mouth makes the slightest gesture at a smile. Ventus Cole, a member of the Supreme Tribunal and a man of the grossest dimensions, (laughs) appears to be a little worried. <laughs> just trying to sound like yeah, I have the grossest dimensions. Yeah. 
<laughs> not even. A rather dangerous <laughs> advantage. We still have a system to conquer. Don't underestimate the armies of Aquile. They're led by a Jedi. That admits that any Jedi <laughs> still exist. General Skywalker is no myth. When I first arrived at court, <laughs> he was the first bodyguard to the Emperor. He led the Jedi Rebellion. Six Tyler led the Rebellion. <laughs> So the Emperor would have you think, but I was there. Why wasn't he hunted down like the other? Because he is too dangerous, too clever. Besides, his presence on Aquila is still only a rumour. Courtyard, Palace of Light, Aquila. A low, sleek land speeder. An auto-like transport which travels a few feet above the ground on a magnetic field glides into the courtyard of the Palace of Aquila. The planet is desert wilderness, but the palace is a sparkling oasis. The speeder stops before an enormous shaded corridor. Fountains line the beautiful and highly polished tiled walkway. Library, Palace of Light, Aquila. The palace library is a dim, cool room projecting an aura of time-worn comfort and security. King Chaos, silver-haired but amazingly youthful under a tanned and leathery face... (laughs) Motions for one of his aides to shut the partially closed door. He is in the middle of an emergency meeting of the Aquilian High Senate. The twelve men sit in overstuffed chairs, placed in a large circle. If there were to be war, would your frigates still <laughs> supply us? Yeah, yeah, bluntness is to be commended. It could be arranged. Count Sandage, a corrupt noble of the Senate, jumps to his feet in a rage. This is nonsense. We have no choice but to approve the treaty. If there is war, the Empire will destroy our entire system with a snap of a finger. General Skywalker is a dreamer, if he thinks he can mount any meaningful resistance. And you dreamers, if you believe him. So much trust in one aged man you must see. At that moment, all heads turn as someone enters the room. It is General Luke Skywalker. Uh, Commander of the Aquilian Star Force. He is a large man, apparently in his early 60s but actually much older. (laughs) Everyone senses the aura of power that radiates from this great warrior. Just you wait. Here is a leader, a Jedi general. He looks weary, but is still a magnificent-looking warrior. His face, cracked and weathered by exotic climates, is set off by a close silver beard and dark, penetrating eyes. Sandage is somewhat embarrassed and quietly sits down. Is anybody here so naive he believes the Empire would bother negotiating? They were like contemplating destruction of this system. Please, Your Excellence, this is more than a simple raid on your resources. You must reach a decision. Murnash. What are you, Helen? It's, it's, it's Mort from Family Guy. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of Lin Manuel Miranda in there as well, which is crazy. <laughs> Oh, there are times when offense makes the best defense. If that alliance treaty isn't signed, <laughs> we will all need the advantage we can get. I have no idea what voice I started carrying. <laughs> 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 Count Sandage, I want you to head the delegation to Alderaan. You will leave tomorrow with our answer regarding the treaty. My decision will be forthcoming. The senators whisper among themselves. All right, then. May the force of others be with you all. Yeah. Oh, may the force of others, not just may the force. The senators leave in a flurry of hushed conversation. The king starts out, but stops in front of the general. Luke, my daughter is leaving for the academy at 
Chathos. Won't you come and wish her well? It would mean a lot to her. She truly idolises you, you know. Come on, the war will wait. Of course. I'm sorry. My lord, politics always seems to distress me. (laughs) (laughs) The general rises, and as they head for the door, chaos pats him on the back. I know, Luke. I feel the force also. Courtyard, Palace of Light, Aquila. A large four-seat speeder sits gleaming in the sun-soaked courtyard. The Princess Leia, about 14 years old, possessing a soft beauty and iron will, is embracing her mother, Queen Bria, a warm, silver-haired matron. There are tears in the princess's blue eyes. Biggs and Windy jump around inside the speeder, disrupting the efforts of the one-armed Amber to pack several plaxiform cases. Leia embraces the king as he approaches with the general. Oh, Daddy, I'll miss you so. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly how I thought Princess Leia was going to sound. The semester will be over before you know it. You'll have a grand time. There are so many new things to learn. I wish I were going. He gives her a fatherly smile, and she hugs him again. The general stands rather formally to one side. The princess, her long auburn hair tied in braids, moves to the general, and he bows before her. May your studies do you honor. Leia is somewhat embarrassed by the general's formality and can <laughs> yeah, only manage <laughs> and can only manage an awkward smile before returning to her parents at the speeder. Hurry, Leia. You must make it to Yule before nightfall. <laughs> Hang on, who's the prayer? That it's her mom. mom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> her mom's a large burly man. Yeah, was, yeah, I just sorry. figured everyone's a large burly man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The princess's maids-in-waiting, Alana, a short, stocky girl, oh. and Mina... More comely, somewhat the same stature as Leia, with long dark hair, giggle and straighten Leia's dress before she enters the speeder. The princess and Mina hug Alana, whose giggles have turned to tears. The two boys scramble out of the speeder as Amber helps the princess and her maid into the back seat. The speeder is piloted by a trooper of the First Order. Amber jumps into the seat beside him, and the speeder starts with a low buzzing sound. The princess waves to her family, and Mina waves to Alana as the speeder slowly glides out of the courtyard. There's a lot happening there, wasn't yeah. there? <laughs> there was lots of just unnecessary names. Yeah. We'll never see those people again. <laughs> yeah. And then the pilot, you know, the guy driving the speeder doesn't get a name. No. But Oversight. Amber, Amber gets a name and one arm. And, and Mina. Amber, Alana, Mina, Leia. And the insignificant characters, if they're a woman, they get physically described yeah. at all times. They get hot or not, at yeah. least. Stocky. <laughs> yeah. Stocky or comely. Yeah. Stocky or comely. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, the actions he gives the actors, Anakin likes up like a banther at feeding time that all of the actors yeah. know. Everyone goes, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Banter. Yeah, yeah, we get that. Got it, got it. Thank you. Yep. The classic banther at feeding time yep. reference. Yep. Mm. My body. See my body I mean, no one, yeah. no one loves feeding time more than a banther. Yeah. You know that look they get? Yeah. <laughs> They positively light up. No, they literally light up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they explode like a small child being buried. <laughs> <laughs> Too, soon. Too soon. Too soon. Yeah. Poor Deke. <clears throat> Deke. Deke's dead. Yeah. <laughs> war Room, Underground Fortress, Aquila. The War Room is a mass of glass enclosures, electronic wall displays, monitors, and computer stations. General Skywalker enters a control station, followed by a covey of military aides of various ranks. Montrose. Captain Montrose, one of the General's aides, snaps to attention. Sir. What's the TQ on this? The last frigate to leave the Imperial capital was a 2340, sir. Have any ships at all left the planet? Check the old guild on Norton Tree. At 2300... 
a full battalion of Thrathroyas left for what is projected to be Anchorhead. The general ponders this for a few moments, then speaks almost to himself. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh, it doesn't feel good. Sir? Put him on the alert. A loud uproar is heard on the far side of the war room. Everyone turns to see a foreign-dressed warrior pushing his way past several guards and war room bureaucrats. The warrior, with his long hair tied in an odd bun on the top of his head, is Kane Starkiller. He is followed by his son, Anakin, who rudely pushes the pesky bureaucrats out of the way. It's restricted. You'll have to wait, etc. <laughs> Get out of my way, boy, before I grind you into the service, etc. As the dauntless Starkiller approaches the general... The guards stop in bewilderment as General Skywalker rushes up to the warrior and embraces him. The two Jedi warriors laugh jubilantly and slap one another. As the the aides and bureaucrats look on in amazement. Kane Starkiller, you old muscle rat. What a delight, what a sight. We heard you'd uh, been executed. So the Empire would like to believe I've been in the Kessel system. You remember little Anakin? Kane puts his arm around his son, who has been making eyes at one of the cute young female aides. Yeah, I am. <laughs> he bows before the general. He takes on after his mother. <laughs> it's so good to see you. It's wonderful to be with another Jedi again. There are so few of us left. The cute aide goes back to her duties, flirting with Anakin as she passes. The young warrior pinches her on the ass, which <laughs> startles her. You bet I do. <laughs> But she goes on like nothing happened. Yes, yeah, oh, what a sight! The two Jedi stand looking at one another, hardly believing the other is real. Finally, the general realizes his aides are standing around, gawking at the duo. Wake up, gentlemen! You're on alert. Keep me posted on the the, 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 the battalion. Control station, underground fortress, Aquila. The general, Star Killer, and his son enter a small glass enclosed control office. They sit. <clears throat> and an awkward silence passes as each man waits for the other to speak. Oh. (laughs) Jeez. I've come for your help. No, anything you ask. You're a Jedi brother. We're, We're one. My friend, we've been through much together. I've been through much since we parted. I've lost much. 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 The Empire has chased us halfway across the galaxy. There is no refuge. Take my son as your Padawan learner. He would be a Jedi. I've trained him from birth. He's a good boy, Luke, and one hell of a fighter. The general looks down, somewhat embarrassed. He scratches his head, then smiles. Old friend, you you do me too much honor. I, I was never a match for you. you. Why don't you finish his training yourself? I'm too old, Luke. I can't go on. You must finish it. What type of talk is this? You're not the the old Starkiller I remember. You're too old? Starkiller suddenly ignites in a rage and swings his left forearm down with a mighty blow across the solid chrome desk the general is sitting on. The old Jedi warrior's forearm cracks in two, spewing forth wires and many fine multicolored electronic components. He's a robot. The artificial limb flops lifelessly to Starkiller's side, The warrior rips open his tunic, revealing a plastic chest stuffed with flashing electric parts. Pretty dramatic. Could have just said. (laughs) (laughs) I'm mostly mostly robot now. I'm not the same. There is nothing left but my head and my right arm. (laughs) I've lost too much, Luke. I'm dying. I had a left arm, but I just smashed it (laughs) on your table, and now it doesn't work. (laughs) 
The general bows his head in sorrow for one of the greatest warriors in the galaxy and a dear friend. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I keep losing control. I'm very tired. (laughs) (laughs) Take my son. The Jedi Bendu must survive. We must pass it on. Only a Jedi can stop the Empire. We're very old, Luke. A new generation of Jedi must be started. Take him. Teach him the way of the Jedi Bendu. Captain Montrose bursts into the office and somewhat excitedly salutes the general. Sir, we have picked up something. An asteroid or a solid comet moving away from the Anchorhead system. Are you sure it's not the battalion? A solid object. It's as big as our third moon. (laughs) Analysis. Sir, the asteroid has disappeared from our scopes. There is no trace of it. It's just not possible. I mean, something that size can't just disappear without a trace. The general looks around for Starkiller. Starkiller! Everyone near the general turns, but Starkiller doesn't show. (sighs) This is one hell of a way to run a war. So there you have it. Some of it's a little familiar. Yeah, and that's what's fascinating, right? Well, uh, that's that's what I think is fascinating. I hope you all enjoyed it out there. And there's five episodes of the Star Wars, and if you think that was crazy, you ain't seen nothing yet. Han Solo is a fish. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's trench runs and Wookiees and a couple of familiar droids and more hallways than you can poke a laser sword at. And Han Solo is a fish. <laughs> and Han Solo... Is a giant, noseless fish man. He's a fish. In season two, we did the first draft of what eventually became, sort of, Tim Burton's 1989 classic, Batman. The 1983 draft, though, not the one by Tim Burton. No, this is the draft by a 1970s James Bond writer. So let that sink in. Have you ever wondered what it would be like if Batman was played by Mayor Joe Quimby from The Simpsons? (laughs) Hasn't everybody? So if you're into that kind of thing and you want to hear more, subscribe to The Bad Read wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find us socially at Bad Read Podcast on all your favourite social media things that people use. And thank you for your time. And may the force of others be with you.